and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. Hi folks, it's Simon Hazeldean, Phil Jessen and Graham Jones here again for this week's episode of the saleschatshow.com, driving sales forward is the uh, strap line for you there. So in this session we are going to look at a very, very powerful part of sales and persuasion which is using testimonials and case studies and if you're not using these enough Trust me, you will be doing after this session. So I'm going to hand over to my esteemed colleague, Mr. Graham Jones. First, Graham, over to you, sir. Esteemed, oh really? Esteemed. I thought you said steamed. Um, (laughs) That can be arranged. (laughs) Um, A few months ago, we were having Sunday lunch, and my brother-in-law was there. And he said, "Um, these LinkedIn recommendations, he said, I think they're a complete waste of time. And I said, why is that? He said, well, because anybody knows that the only recommendations you've got are from people who already like you, and you're only going to publish the ones that are good about you anyway. So we all know it's completely biased, and it's from your mates, and you know it's not real, honest kind of feedback. And I said, well, I think they're very useful. And we had you know, carried on with our Sunday lunch, and nothing happened. A few weeks later... He turns up again and uh, he says, I've been looking at LinkedIn again. I said, right. He said, "Um, and I've been looking at your profile, Graham. Now, bear in mind, he's my brother-in-law, yeah? I've known him for over 30 years. And he says, you're an all right kind of bloke, really, aren't you? (laughs) And I said, well, how would you get that from? He said, from your LinkedIn profile. He said, because I looked at your LinkedIn profile and it goes down and down and down with recommendation after recommendation. And I said, and what did you think of that? He said, well, I didn't read any of the recommendations, but you must be all right if so many people recommend you. And this is really actually an important psychological point, that we as human beings weigh things by the pound. When your website or your, when you go in to see a customer and you've got two case studies, they turn around and go, is that all? Uh, even if they are from, you know, you know, if one of your case studies is from Apple and the other one from Coca-Cola or whatever it is, you know, people go, is that all? If you've only got three testimonials on your website and they go, is that all? So actually, it's the volume, the amount yes. that you need is really, really, really important. So, you know, you can talk about one particular case example and say, you know, here's a good example of how we did this with such and such a business. And by the way, here's the other 483 examples. And just, you know, it's the thud effect on their desk of all this stuff. And that's really important in terms of the number of testimonials you can offer. So this potentially could be a stupid question, but I want to ask it anyway. We're used to it. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. How do you get so many, Graham? Uh, I ask for them. I had a a feeling that it was going to be that simple, folks. And I was asking that question because sometimes people think these things are quite difficult to do or customers won't want to do them for you. It's a little bit like closing the sale. If you don't ask, it's definitely not going to happen. So you just proactively 
you've done a good job, you proactively contact your yeah. clients and your customers, and you say, please, will you give me yeah. a recommendation on LinkedIn? Now, the worst thing that can happen is they say no. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay, that's fine. Yes. If they don't want to do it, for whatever reason they don't want to do it, they don't want their... Some people don't want to know that I've done work with them. So yeah. they, that you know, we've maybe had a non-disclosure agreement about yes. the work I've done. Yeah. So they don't want to give me a recommendation because that obviously reveals that we've worked together and they don't want to reveal that. So that I understand that. But, you know, the worst thing that can happen is they say no. But somebody else will say yes. yes. I, I uh, a couple of months ago, asked uh, two of my customers for... Uh, a recommendation that I could use in some marketing material, not necessarily on LinkedIn, but some other marketing material. Um, and in both cases, I, I sort of said, can I just let you have on an email the sort of stuff that I'd like you to comment on if you're happy with that? Mm. And I had two emails back. Uh, the first customer said, I could not have put it better myself. <laughs> and the second customer wrote back and said, well, I wouldn't actually say that word. I'd say another word. That's yeah. more me. That's more my character. Yeah. Mm. So... Uh, yes, uh, I, th- I think Graham's right. You, we, we should be asking for them, but we should also, um, if there are certain keywords and phrases that yes. we want the market to know about, then we've got to find a way of getting those in yeah. to the text, even if uh, we write it and they sign it off. And I'd really endorse just the um, just the asking, and I think it's asking intelligently. What Phil's doing, I think, is asking intelligently by making it easy for the customer to do it. Some customers are very happy to go with a blank sheet of paper, and they'll give you yeah. a lovely a lovely testimonial. Many in my experience will say exactly what Phil has done. Give me some idea of what you'd like us to say. Yeah, and you're not writing your own testimonial. It's not in an ethical manner. Because they won't put their name to it, but they just—they're yeah. busy people. They've got to and sign they say, it what, off. What would you? What would you like me? To, what would you like me to say? Mm. I mean, I've—I've I've, um, written a number of books. I've got a no, like Graham has and Phil has. I've had an amazing track record in getting some quite famous business people to to give forwards, which I suppose is a form of a testimonial. And I, I would love to tell you I have a very clever strategy. It's asking politely. Uh, persistently and, and just making it personal to the to the yeah. person. But uh, a business I know, they write three testimonials, and they send it to the customer and say, you know, which one of these three would you like to put your name to? So they give them a choice. So the the customer at the other end is feeling they're in control. Yes. So yes. They, they, it's not I've written this testimonial for for us or this case study. Is that okay? And they vote, their answer is either yes or no. Yeah. You're actually giving them a sense of control and power over the over this, mm. so they feel in charge because you've given them three things, yeah. and they go, well, we don't like the first two, but the third one is great for us. And you, of course, you can then use the first two for the next customer because so you only having to write one at a time, but you offer three, and they they have a sense of power by choosing. Yeah. So it's a very powerful. It's a very very powerful principle of persuasion. Certainly, if, if anybody listening in is, is you've not read the book by Professor Robert Cialdini on influence, the science and practice of influence. Um, Cialdini's six principles of persuasion. Social proof is the principle we're talking about here. That human beings are very guided by the behaviour of other human beings, particularly if they're feeling uncertain, which is kind of interesting. It helps them. To, to make a decision, uh, I now often use the analogy of TripAdvisor. So my wife uses TripAdvisor when researching holidays. Karen will go to TripAdvisor first, which is kind of a social proof, it's opinions and yeah. testimonials, and then go to the hotel of the website, which mm. is, and I've asked that question of a number of my audiences, and that seems to be a trend. Yeah. Amazon, there is nothing on an Amazon sales page 
that has not been rigorously and ruthlessly tested to drive sales. And Amazon used testimonials and social proof in yeah. spade loads. We're all authors. We know the more five-star reviews you get, the more books you sell. There is a quantity thing, as Graham yeah. mentioned. Um, then Amazon very cleverly say of 95% of people who looked at this book by, uh, by Graham Jones, then 95% of them bought it. Oh, well, by the way, the 5% who didn't bought this book. By, yeah. So they're still... And then, very cleverly, they upsell. 45% of people who bought this book also bought this book at the same time. Mm. It's all there because it works. But also, in terms of those five-star reviews, recently I was having a discussion with a publisher about uh, one of my books, who was saying um, that what they discovered from going from their salespeople walking into independent bookstores that those independent bookstores have obviously got to work out whether or not they stock that book. So they've got to buy the book up front before they sell it. And they need to know, is this a good book? Now, in the past, of course, they would rely on the publisher saying, oh, it's a great book, yeah, but of course that's biased. If you are um, a big book chain, you have got very clever buyers who can actually you know, work out data and do all these things themselves. If you're an independent bookstore, you haven't got time to do that or the money to do all the research that you know, a big chain like Waterstones is going to yeah. do and know whether this book is going to sell. So for the big chains, buying books is not an issue. For independent stores, it's a problem. Now, what independent bookstores do is go to Amazon. <laughs> and they will only buy books in their shop if it's got 10 or more reviews on Amazon. If it's got 10 or more reviews on Amazon, then it must be worth buying, is their view. So they stock books in independent bookstores that have got lots of reviews on Amazon. So it isn't necessarily you having you know, recommendations on your own website or recommendations and case studies that you hand to people. Mm. It's what are other people saying about your business. Mm, this yes. social proof is really important. But it's the number that become okay, fundamental. So, so driving, driving the numbers is, is important. Um, sometimes when I talk about testimonials and case studies, sometimes salespeople are, seem a little reluctant as though they're putting their customer to some sort of trouble, I think it is, or they, they feel that it will be, um, you know, they make them feel a bit anxious or nervous in order to ask for it. To which I would always just challenge, if you get really great service in a restaurant or you get really well looked after by a retailer or you, like the people who fitted the kitchen in our house, have probably sold five kitchens to family and friends and acquaintances. Because if somebody says, oh, we're thinking of having our kitchen done, we say, oh, you must contact these people. They did a great job for us. Because mm. I want my friends, family, contacts, colleagues to, to benefit. So if you've done a really good job, why on earth would the customer not want to recommend you? The, the other thing I would say about uh, testimonials today is that they are more important now than they were seven or eight years ago. Because... Here we are, after the recession, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, and generally speaking, most of the time, uh, customers and prospects are looking for a little bit more proof than they did before. The one person that made the decision, probably now three, they are spreading the risk. Uh, and if they are spreading the risk and looking for proof, how do they get an answer to satisfy that? Well, either we can tell them how wonderful we are, or our happy customers can tell them. How wonderful we are. Now, of course, who is the prospect going to believe most? Without doubt, the customer yeah. testimonial. They're not going to believe us because we would say that, wouldn't we? So that's why I think they are more important now than they've ever been. I mean, we're all, all three of us um, behind the sales chat show, we all, we all work professionally as speakers. And, and we've had conversations about this before that we often think conference organisers 
they want to do their risk management first and make sure you're not going to be dreadful up on stage in front of their 500, 1,000 people in the audience. And a way to make them feel safe is if other clients say they work, they work with you, which is to Phil's point. So you've got to risk-averse buyers, testimonials yeah. and case studies make them feel more comfortable. But they're, they're doing that live nowadays. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I had a conversation with a, a meeting booker um, based in Belgium, doing lots of uh, events over Europe. And she said that many people in the meetings industry now use Twitter. So what they do is they, they say, well, you know, we're interested in this person. They might be able to work mm. for us. Where are they speaking? And so they discover they're speaking at a conference in Paris. So they go on to Twitter to see what the audience are saying about that yeah. speaker. If the audience is saying, if there's lots of tweets saying, you know, fantastic speech, well done, learnt a lot, all of that kind of stuff, they think that person's worth booking. Mm. If there are no tweets about that person, they choose a different supplier. Wow. That's 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 kind of so. Uh, again, it's you know that's live testimonials, mm. which many people will use. So. It, it is about the number and all the different ways you can get it, whether it's Twitter, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's you know documentation that you hand out. It's all you've got to have just loads and loads and loads of these testimonials. The, the, the other thing I would encourage our uh, uh, listeners to do is to go higher up the value chain, if you like, on this than they might be at the moment. Uh, sometimes I see testimonials that say uh, the customer service was very good and the uh, deliveries were on time. Well, that is okay, but that's not mm. staggering levels of service. Uh, what we're really after on a testimonial is somebody who, in the closing words, says that they now regard us as a, an essential partner going forward, uh, and they have no hesitation in recommending us to others. If that's the line yeah. we want, then that's the line we've got to go I, in pursuit of. I think also you, what you want in a testimonial is the problem the customer had, so the bit of pain they had. So, you know, we had this problem and we couldn't solve it and then, you know, this business came along and they helped us. Yeah, so, right, yeah. so that then the people reading those testimonials can identify because they will have similar problems that they want mm. solving. So rather than saying, you know, oh, Graham's fantastic, he did a wonderful job, we loved him kind of thing, well, yeah, okay, that's great. What I want them to say is, you know, we had a problem with our website, we didn't know how to fix it, Graham came along and he solved it in, in you know, two hours. Yeah. Right. Graham yeah. removed my pain yeah. is what you... But that's what, I, that's that's what you the, want them the to kind say. of testimony yeah. you want because people can identify with it. We're sort of moving into case studies, which we'll come on yeah. to in a second, but I think the more specific it is as well, the better. You know, I have a great one from a client who said... Before you trained us to negotiate, we made 23 points of margin. On the last deal, we did 40, I think it's 46 points of margin. That's a very specific, tangible return yeah. on investment testimonial that is, has proved to be very yeah. useful. Just before case studies, a, a, a testimonials on steroids idea for you is a quite common part of a sales proposal is the slide, sorry, the pitch, a sales pitch, is the slide with your customer logos. Here's... Here's who we here's who we work with. Um, I'm not saying don't do that. I just say we go one step further when we're doing those sort of pitching. We'll say, please let us know which of these customers you would like to contact, and we will connect you directly to them without us being involved in the communication. So you can ask them anything you want to ask about us and what we're like to work mm -hmm. with. 
Nice, I like that. It's it's powerful, and interestingly, quite a lot of people never actually no. do it. It's just that it's said. It's the confidence can, of doing it. The confidence. It, it? And by the way, some of them will do, and obviously, you know, you don't connect them with people who aren't happy, who aren't happy customers. But even if that customer says, "Yeah, but they could do a bit better at this," I still think that makes you more believable. You know, you're nobody's perfect, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. worry. I wouldn't worry about that in any way. So, guys, case studies, which is a. A sort of testimonial, perhaps is a you know little little shorter thing of you know here's Phil Jess and Graham Jones they're great here's the benefit it's a case study that's something well, far more in depth. I think the problem with case studies is that if you, when you see them on websites they very often fill up a whole sort of sheet of A4 and more and there's a little quote on the bottom from the happy customer. Yeah. Uh, I'm in favour of reversing that. I think what people want is the testimonial first and a click through on the case study, okay. a read more button you might say, for those people who are interested in the inside leg measurements, the technical spec yeah. on that particular job. But most people, as, uh, as we know, will adopt a looks right, feels right, sounds right type of approach, and that's really the testimonial. Mm. The case study really fulfills the need, I think, of the people that, maybe you know, the purchasing department or the FD that's looking <coughs> for the ROI Arguments. Yes. It's, it, yeah. it, it, it's it's something I think that should be a click through. I, I, don't know I think your view is on that. Group. I think yeah. I I think the practical way of how you do it is you know that there are lots of different ways of doing it. But I think you're right. People want the short summary first and then the, the mm. detail later. But I think almost every case study I've ever read is written completely wrongly, uh, because it all says you know we did this when the customer came to us. We did this for them. Our team did this. These are the people who worked on it. This is what we did. And the people reading that are not interested in what you did, mm. what they're interested in and what was wrong with that company. So what we need to know is, you know, company X come along and they're only doing 23% margin. Mm. This is the problems they had. And then we go into all the detail about what was wrong in that business. And then what did they put right? What did they do to double their yeah. their margin? What was it they did to double their margin? So it's a it's a detailed analysis of what happened why did they arrive at you mm. and what happened as a result of... So it's about them. The whole case study is about them. And there's almost no mention of you in the yeah. case study. So here's, here's the customer. Here's the nature of their problem. Here was the impact of their problem. Yeah. And here's how it was solved. We were, we were a little catalyst, yeah. I suppose. And this is what the customer did yeah. with... The, and this is the result the customer got. So you would have yourself referenced... 10, 15 percent yeah, of the yeah, content, yeah. something, something? I, I don't know that you'd give it a, a, a percentage, but okay. you know, you're the minor part, and the yeah. major part is what happened in their business. Mm, yeah. And then by implication, because it's, you know, that could be, you could standardize this. You know, many businesses could standardize that as, you know, a four page download PDF yeah. kind of thing, and each one looks the same. But it's reading the details, you, you so as you say, the inside leg measurement of, the, mm. of you, what was going on. You often encourage people to look at website copy and with a red felt tip pen so to speak or yep. a green felt tip pen uh, it makes a right messy sort of, screen it doesn't matter but metaphorically to sort of go through it and highlight the references to the customer and highlight the references to us yeah and i guess typically you find that there's far too many references well, to us and there is a, not enough on the there used the to be a handy side. thing on the internet which is no longer there because the people have taken it down but it was called the wee wee calculator and um, <laughs> the wee wee w-e-w-e calculator would look at a web page and would say okay you know here's your customer's name here's your name 
how many times are you mentioned or your business mentioned compared with not necessarily a customer name but a, a solution that you're, you're offering and I did that you know I've done that for lo- thousands of examples and I can tell you that you know the average is coming out at between 75 and 80 percent in favor of the company themselves trying to yeah. sell something talking about themselves. talking about themselves so most businesses online are talking about themselves and frankly we don't care yeah so I think folks you need to have a look at your own wee wee calculator, yep. perhaps on your own sales collateral markings and materials. Think actually think about that balance when you're when you're selling. And I think the whole point of testimonials and case studies is you're not telling the customer how great you are. Because to be honest, the customer's not interested in that. What they're interested in is how you can help them. And the best way to show that is you don't tell them how great you are. You let existing satisfied, happy customers tell them how great you are. And the only thing I would add to that is the world moves so fast these days, as we know, that any testimony with a date on it that says 2011 or 12, it's really dead in the water. It's got to be 2014 and 15 today, if it is to have any credibility at all. Yeah, and I think also as well, if you are going to use the ubiquitous customer logo, I think you need to have a definition of what you mean by active customers as well so you know people you've done business with in the last maybe six to twelve months depending on your industry i don't think it's fair to say hey we used to work with coca-cola and it was back in 1942 i think that's misleading i think it should be your current your current client base make them up to date and yeah because i've had a couple of buyers who will mention the fact that they've seen customers using testimonials that are a bit past their sell-by date, which therefore totally undermines your credibility in, 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 in front of them. So really would strongly recommend you making far more use of testimonials, case studies. It's a really, really great way to get more customers, get more sales, make more money. So thank you, folks. And this has been Phil Jesson, Graham Jones and Simon Hazeldean for the saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening. have been listening to an episode of the sales chat show to stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success please visit saleschatshow.com thank you very much for listening to this episode and from everyone here at the sales chat show we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling (laughs) 